0: You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Hello, New York Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of Locked On Giants. I'm Ed Valentine of Big Blue View, along with co-host Pat Traina of, oh, roughly a million or so places. How how are you today?
0: I'm, I'm great, at I'm bracing for the short work week before uh, Thursday night's game. Uh, Going to be a rainy week here in New Jersey, but you know what? Time to put the pedal to the metal because it's a
1: big game coming up. It is a short week, Patty. It's Eagles week. With, as if things weren't angry enough and emotional enough and riled up enough around the Giants these days. Now we get the Eagles on a short week.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting, and I fully expect a lot of Eagle fans to make the trip up the Turnpike, and uh, it, it's it's just going to be it's going to be fun, I think, because you know, look, I think the Giants, if they can pull this one out, will put themselves in really good shape in as far as you know potentially uh, making strides in the in the division. A win over the Eagles, I think, will put them ahead of Philadelphia. Actually, right now, the Giants in the cellar. But if they beat the Eagles, even though they'll have the same records, they'll still be able to, um, you know, to, by virtue of the, the uh, tiebreaker, the head-to-head tiebreaker, they'll be a half a game in front of them.
1: It is pretty amazing, Patty, that at one and four, the division is still in play for the Giants. But anyway, let's uh, before we we spend the entire show talking about Thursday night, let's remember that it's Twitter Tuesday. It is. Which means, of course, that we are turning to our much appreciated, very knowledgeable Giants audience, you know, f- for questions to find out what uh, what folks have on their minds. But uh, of course, before we do that, uh, we have a little bit of news to discuss. Uh, on Monday afternoon, Adam Schefter broke the news that the Giants will be releasing. Offensive tackle Eric Flowers if they aren't able to trade him by Tuesday at 4 o'clock. So, you know, it looks like the, the end of the Eric Flowers era is, depending on what time you're listening to this show, hours, minutes away, or perhaps already over.
0: Yeah. I mean, did you ever think we would see the day? I mean, look, the Giants... I think we, we knew this kind of years ago, but swinging a miss on a top 10 draft pick and with the removal of Eric Flowers from the roster, which, you know, again, as we record this is pending, that leaves Landon Collins as the only member from the 2015 draft class left on the roster. And we have said this over and over again. The poor drafts have absolutely destroyed this team. And, you know, these are all guys, if you think about it, you know, that, that 2015 draft class should have been coming into their second contracts this year. And there's only one guy left from that class. And that's just not acceptable on any
1: level. Patty, I, I hate to keep banging on this topic, but I'm going to do it anyway. Going all the way back, to the end of the 2015 season, going all the way back to when the Giants chose to move on from Tom from Tom Coughlin as head coach. I can remember sitting, you know, in the in the auditorium at the Quest Diagnostics Training Center and listening to John Mara talk about the reasons why they were making that move. And he kept talking about how the talent wasn't good enough, and how the drafts hadn't been good enough, and the the core of the roster that should have been there from the drafted players wasn't there because of the poor drafts, because they had had to move on from those guys, and yet the choice that the Giants made at that time was to move on from Coughlin, leave the GM, and now this move, you know, you know we, we now have a new GM, but this move, you know, is another nail in that coffin. And once again, you know, we look at the fact that that core group of players, those guys who should make up the leadership group, those guys who should be, you know, these are your New York Giants, you know, who should be the guys who basically are, are in charge of or leading this team, who should be the core of this group, there isn't one there.
0: No, it, it isn't. And, and, you know, look, people it, – it's funny. People, I guess, we're expecting a miracle this year with Dave Gettleman coming in. And we've talked about this before, but it's, it, it's worth mentioning again. Just as it took years of bad drafts to, to, to run down this team – it's going to take Gattleman a couple of years at least to fix this. And, you know, I wrote about this for the Maven, uh, the, the, the Maven website. But now, you know, depending on what happens with Flowers, you know, if he's traded, they'll get some cap relief. If he's not, it's going to boost them to almost 30 million in dead money. And. You just can't do a whole lot when you have 30 million of dead money on, on a 165, 168, whatever it was, 168 million uh, cap. You know that that that's a big chunk of money if you think about it. Think about it. I mean, it's it's you know it's going to take Gettleman time, but the good news is is he's smart enough to cut his losses. He has no tie in with 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 these guys. No more scholarships and it's just high time that they they made this decision. You
1: know, the last thing I will say about Eric Flowers is this. You know, this is his fourth season in the NFL. He's been through two head coaches, well actually three head coaches now. Three offensive line coaches, a position switch, and Eric Flowers You know, basically we saw in the two games this year, still the same player that he was as a rookie. He still, you know, has horrible technique. He still commits too many penalties. He still makes too many mistakes. He's still the same player that he was, you know, three or four years ago. And, you know, you can talk about whatever you want in terms of Eric Flowers. But, but that's all on Eric Flowers. He's had plenty of quality NFL coaches, you know, plenty of quality people try to help him. You know, It's on Eric Flowers, and it, it's unfortunate for the Giants because whether it was a previous regime or not, when you miss on a pick in the top 10 of the NFL draft, that sets your franchise back several years. I mean, they are still chasing fixing that offensive line, you know, that Eric Flowers was supposed to be the building block for, and they're going to be chasing it for a while.
0: They really are. And, and, you know, again, when you swing and miss on your high draft picks that you are counting on to become, you know, the foundation of your roster – that's where you get into a situation where you have to overspend to replace those guys, and now you get guys who maybe are, you know, out of their prime or, or on the back nine of their career, or you know, who haven't hit their prime, and, and it just becomes a gamble. You know, I, I see people, for example, constantly saying, "Oh, Olivier Vernon's been a bust." which I disagree with, by the way, you know, I just think Olivier Vernon has been played to death, you know, since coming to the giants because they didn't have the Montre more to work, you know, work out for them or, you know, the linebackers that they drafted or, or the other defensive linemen. So they had to, you know, run the guy into the ground. But, uh, but the point being is, is that, you know, when you just don't have hit in the draft, especially when these guys, you got them at a low salary, uh, you know, for the first four or five years of their, you know, four years, I'm sorry, of, of their contract, this is why teams get into cap hell, and this is exactly what has happened to the Giants. And, and you know, I don't want to keep beating a dead horse here, but this is why the Giants have the problems they have.
1: Well, you know, when you when you miss on Eric Flowers, you wind up overpaying dramatically for Nate Solder. And, and that's the situation that the Giants are in. Nate Solder is a, is a good player, vastly overpaid. But it's the situation that the Giants were in. They had to have a left tackle. The only way to get one was to throw gobs of money at the guy, and, and they did what they had to do. But that's the kind of situation you put yourself in, you know, when you miss on top ten, you know, cornerstone type draft picks. Anyway, Patty, let's do this. Uh, be, we could probably talk about Eric Flowers and, and the offensive line situation for an hour, but uh, we best not do that. Let's take a quick break. You know, from a word from our sponsors. We have a bunch of them this week. We have Lokai. We have My Bookie. We have Vivid Seats. We have Blue Chew. We have sponsors all over the place for this this growing show on this growing network. So let's take a quick break, you know, for our first word from a couple of those sponsors, and we'll come back and we'll actually get to the purpose of today's show, which is your Twitter Tuesday questions. Giants fans, let's talk about advice. Patty and I are always being asked for it, but one thing we can't do is tell you who is going to win or lose the games. If you think you know, you've got to check out my bookie. MyBookie has been in business for years, has great online reviews, and offers an easy-to-use mobile site. You win, MyBookie pays. It's that simple. Join now, and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Wait until after 7 p.m. Eastern Time, and MyBookie will give you an extra $25 free play on deposits of more than $100. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKEDON25 to activate this special offer for our listeners. With my bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. Okay, Giants fans, Ed Valentine and Patricia Trena here continuing with today's episode of Locked On Giants. And it is a Twitter Tuesday, so it's about time, and without any further, you know, chit-chat or or talking about Eric Flowers or anything else, it's about time that we get to some of those questions. So let's do that. You ready for this, Patty? I am ready. Let's do it. As usual, we have um, quite a few questions, you know, from our our loyal Locked On Giants listeners. So here's our first one. Anthony Mafia wants to know I think Saquon Barkley is being overworked he's obviously one of the best players on the field but he has no blocking on run plays and takes a pounding do you think the team realizes that he won't last and will work in Wayne Gallman more
0: Ooh, I I think that's a good point a good question Um, I was kind of surprised actually that they didn't give gallman any hand uh touches last week but i think that was because you know the 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 run blocking just wasn't there i mean i I, i'm as we record this i'm in the middle of, of a tape where i'm looking at the run blocking and it up the middle it was just not consistent at all there was no push a lot of penetration and whatnot so um I do think that maybe we will see more of Wayne Gallman. you got to remember, I think last – not last week, but the week before, Gallman had that fumble. And I'm not saying he's in the coach's doghouse, but what I've noticed with Shermer and the coaching staff is that if you make a mistake and your name is not Odell Beckham Jr., because Odell is just an amazing talent, you're probably going to sit down for a series or two to collect your thoughts. You know, we saw it with – Uh, B.W. Webb you know in this past game we saw it last week with um, Russell Shepard we saw it with uh, oh goodness what's his name oh uh, uh, the name's escaping me there was another guy where he made a mistake and and, you know we didn't see him for a few series and then he came back so I just think that you know it's possible we will see Wayne Gallman next week um, you know, because you're right, it is a long season and Barkley is not probably not used to going, you know, for preseason preseason games. And then um, not that he played in four preseason games, but, you know, the, the point being is you had training camp, then you have a 16 game schedule, um, you know, and if you're lucky postseason. So, yeah, I, I could see them maybe, you know, working Gallman more into the rotation. I, I think that's
1: definitely a possibility. Patty, I'm sorry, but this question makes me laugh. It absolutely makes me laugh because a week ago, you know, on your Twitter timeline, on my Twitter timeline, at Big Blue View, you know, here at Lockdown Giants, we were fielding questions about why don't the Giants give the ball to Saquon Barkley more often? And this week, we're getting questions about well, why doesn't Wayne Gallman play more so that Barkley doesn't have to carry so much of the load? The fact that is on Sunday afternoon Barkley touched the ball 19 times he he ran the ball 15 times he carried the ball four times and and I'm sorry whether Wayne Goleman got in the game and, and got any touches or not 19 touches for Saquon Barkley is not overworking this kid by any stretch of the imagination the run blocking stunk all right the, the yardage that he got, he had a 30 yard run and a 20 yard run, you know, which totals 50 yards obviously. And he ended up you know on 15 carries with 48 yards rushing. So you know that's 13 carries for negative two yards. And, and he took a pounding because the blocking wasn't good. But 19 touches, you know, when you're in a game and you're one and three, and, and you're in a tooth and nail game that that you really desperately need to win. You know, I wouldn't have minded if it was 25 touches. 19 touches is never too much for a running back the quality of Saquon Barkley. I just can't argue with that at all.
0: I I understand your point, Ed, but I also think, and I could be wrong, that the question pertains to the fact that. Barkley was taking a pounding behind a, a run blocking unit that just wasn't making his life easy. And when you constantly take that pounding, you know, we saw the incident where, where he he leapt over, um, tried to jump over a defender and looked like he landed awkwardly. And I think, you know, the, there's concern that if you give him too many touches that maybe you know he'll it, it, wear down so i i understand so, so the question wait, wait 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 let him me the finish and not give him the ball. no 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 no. you didn't let me finish ed let me finish goodness i understand the question i understand your your point of view and i, I just think there's somewhere and the, there, there's there's got to be you know a happy medium you know every once in a while you know spell them even if it's just for one snap But yes, does does he need to get the ball, you know, as often as possible? Absolutely. But, you know, you also have to be wary of the fact that, you know, if if the guy is nursing any kind of injuries. And by the way, the injury report just came out and he's not on it. So I think everybody should, you know, take a deep breath and just, you know, just just be careful because running backs in the NFL typically do have a short shelf life. And I can understand people's concerns. They don't want to see, you know, the average you know, Barkley end up with with only three years in the NFL. So I do get the question, but I also get your perspective,
1: Patty. 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 You know, we don't we don't often disagree, but you know, on this one, it's like I we, I, I, I don't I don't get you know, Wayne Wayne Gallman for example played a lot in the first four games. You know, this is one game where they leaned on Barkley a little bit, and, and he still touched the ball fewer than twenty times. And, and, and I have zero problem with that. You, you go with your horses and you try to win. And, you know, I'd have a problem with it if he touched the ball 30 sometimes, but not 19.
0: You know, this is the second time this week you and I have disagreed. This this, this
1: is getting interesting here. Ah, uh, Patty, you know, is I, I'm just getting fired up. Like, What can I tell you? You know, it is. I'm just I'm getting wound up. Yeah, I can
0: see. All right. We,
1: we better move on to to another question. <laughs> wants to know is the playbook finally open Eli was throwing some deep passes compared to previous games this season
0: Um, I don't know if it's fair to say that it's open yes Eli actually threw the second most and I know this because I broke this down for the athletic in a piece that's coming out Tuesday he threw the second most uh, deep passes of twenty more or more yards this season. I think his his highest number was nine. I want to say, in week two, the week two loss to Dallas, if if I remember correctly. Um, so I, I don't know if it was just a matter of opening up the playbook. I think it's it's more or less a matter of, you know, just attacking what's there to be attacked and you know some some weeks I think you're going to see them take those deep shots and then there's going to be other weeks where they're not going to take them so that's that's what I think might have happened there
1: I think there's two factors Patty and and the one stat that I remember looking at you know from I think it was next gen stats was that Eli averaged what. 10.7, I think what they call intended air yards on every throw, which I think was third in the league among all quarterbacks. And obviously the most aggressive that he's been, you know, in any game this season. And I think there were a couple of factors. I think one, you know, for the second straight game, he was well protected in the pocket. I think he felt comfortable um you know and 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 when you feel comfortable you're willing to look through your reads you're willing to to wait that extra split second and throw the football down the field you know this was a carolina defense that has struggled in the secondary it was a team that might have been vulnerable to the to the deeper passes I was happy to see the Giants pull the trick play with, you know, with the pass from, from Beckham to Barkley, you know, and dig a little bit deeper into the playbook. I think as long as Eli is protected, and as long as they can find ways to take those shots, they'll take them. I mean, Eli, despite you know the checkdowns, you know, in a couple of games earlier this season, you and I both know he's made a living throwing the ball down the field. You know, using play action and taking that shot. If it's there and he feels like he can deliver it, you know, I think he's going to try to take it. And, and I, I thought Sunday was a good step in the right direction for the Giants' offense.
0: Yeah, but they have to, they have to keep it up now. You know, if they can, you know, you don't want to see them go back to being, you know, a checkdown team
1: course not. We hope not. I mean, you know, the, the, the check down, you take the completion when you absolutely have to take the completion, you know, but, but in certain situations, you know, you have to push the ball down the field. I was glad to see, I was just glad to see the Giants throw the ball down the field, be aggressive, attack the defense. That's something you and I and fans have been calling for. And I thought that the Giants were you know, by and large, in attack mode on Sunday, and I thought that was a really good sign.
0: Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, again, I I just liked, even though the Giants lost Sunday, I saw something that I haven't seen really all season long, and I saw fight, I saw, you know, determination, and I saw a team finally starting to come together. And, you know, Pat Shermer's been talking about how close they are, you know, how, how close they are to really breaking out and just being this juggernaut. And I, they just have to build on this, you know. Yes, it's a loss, and a loss is a loss, but if they could somehow build on this and start to, you know, turn the tide their way, I mean, I think
1: they can be something special. Patty, I said last week that I thought there is a path where the Giants, with a a roster that is not finished that has holes on it you know that that is not a complete group there is a path for the giants to win football games and that path includes the star players Saquon Barkley, Odell Beckham, Eli Manning, you know stepping up and having big performances and being what they need to be it includes the defense you know getting big stops creating some turnovers. We saw a lot of those things on Sunday. And, you know, and as you said, we saw passion. We saw energy. We saw a team that fought, you know, down to the final whistle. So a lot of good things despite the loss.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and again, the keys to build on it. Now they've got a, a tough challenge. They're coming off a short work week and, you know, have a quick turnaround. They have some guys who are banged up. um, So we will see how they respond to it, you know. But I I definitely saw a fire and a greater sense of urgency.
1: Patty, let's take one more question before we take our first break of of this show. Uh, So this question comes from Anthony Isola, who wants to know, what will the Giants do about the contracts of Olivier Vernon, Damon Harrison, and Janoris Jenkins, if the conclusion at the end of the season is that a full-scale rebuild is needed?
0: Wow. Um, I think, and this is just my early guess, that Janoris Jenkins will probably not be on this roster next year. They drafted Sam Beal in the third round of the supplemental draft. Now, Beal, of course, is on IR, but... Um, you know, I think they drafted him with the intention of eventually pairing him with Eli Apple at cornerback. And they would save, you know, a real I think I think it's I want to say 13 million or something like that is, is I'm not sure of the exact cap hit, but I know it's double digits there in the millions. So I could see them moving on from Jenkins regarding Harrison. That's a tough one because Harrison is still playing at a, at a fairly high level. So you need guys who can stop the run. And and I would say, you know, with with R.J. McIntosh, I kind of got the sense was supposed to be the heir to Harrison's throne, you know, with him losing this year or it looks like he's going to lose the whole year, you know, because of his uh, his non football illness or whatever he's got going on. I I don't know. I, I could see them maybe keeping Harrison another year. Um, Even though he's getting up there in age, as long as the guy's producing, which he is, I don't think you have to necessarily do anything with that contract. Vernon's going to be an interesting scenario. Um, Vernon is turned 28, I believe, yesterday, is in no way, shape or form over the hill. The problem with him has been the injuries and the injuries have come about in part because he's been worked to death, I think, you know, since coming to the Giants. You know, he's had snap counts of over 90 percent, you know, I I think in, you know, of the snaps that he's been eligible for, he's been on the field for over 90 percent. I could see a scenario where maybe they go to him and they they ask him to redo his number for next year. Um, I don't know if he will. Because you know, typically what they do in, some, in, in scenarios like that is they lower the base salary, and then they put in all these you know um, incentives that a player can potentially reach to make back the money that they're giving up. So I, I'm really not sure what they're going to do with him, especially as. Um, what's his name Lorenzo Carter continues to come on and he's shown a lot of promise. And I think, you know, they drafted him with the idea of him being the heir apparent at that outside linebacker spot, you know, as that pass rusher.
1: Patty, I think you're probably a hundred percent right that, that out of these three, the guy who is probably most likely not to be a giant next year is Jack rabbit. And I don't have, the the information right in front of me, but I believe, you know that that you know Jenkins is the one who doesn't have any guaranteed money remaining. You know after this year, I'm not sure about,
0: about SNAP. all three of them. All three of them don't. Yeah, I that much I know because I've looked at it.
1: Okay, but I still think you know the way that it's structured and and with the savings involved, I think that Jenkins is the one most most likely to to not be brought back. And I know this. I know that that not bringing him back will upset a large portion of the fan base. Which is, well, look look at how talented he is. And, and the fact of the matter is it's like moving on from from Dominic Rogers Cromarty last year, or moving on from from anybody. It's a salary cap league. At some point you have to assess what you have. And try to figure out the best way to use the limited resources that you have available to you. You know because, and you figure out, you know which guys can really help you. You know which positions where you think you have enough players, and you do the best that you can. You can't keep everybody that you'd like to keep. You can't sign everybody that you'd like to sign. You can't draft everybody that you'd like to draft you have to make choices the giants will have some hard ones to make and some of these popular players who are good players you know who can still help teams will unfortunately not be back and that's that's just how it goes in a league you know where you have you know x amount of dollars to spend
0: yeah, exactly. and And then the other thing you know to take into consideration is these are all guys who, if you remember, were brought in as Mulligans, you know, Harrison, Vernon, and Jackrabbit. So now, as they start replacing these guys or or bringing in youth to you know take their places eventually, now maybe you get some balance back in your salary cap.
1: Indeed, Patty. Well, let's do this. we've We've taken a few really good questions so far. Let's take our first break for a word from our sponsors. Then we will come back and we will take more of your Twitter Tuesday questions.
0: Hey, Giants Nation. Need a little extra swag for game day? Loci has got your back with their brand new game day collection. If you haven't heard this name before, well, let me tell you about Loci. Their high-quality bracelets come with an amazing message and support incredible causes. The Loci bracelet comes in giant's colors and holds water from Mount Everest, the highest point on Earth, and mud from the Dead Sea, the lowest point on Earth. It's a daily reminder to keep balance in life between the highs and the lows. Since Loci is friends of the Locked on Giants podcast. They are offering you an exclusive discount of 25% off all game day collection bracelets. Visit loki.com, that's L-O-K-A-I dot com, and use the promo code GIANTS25 to take advantage of this amazing deal.
1: Okay, Giants fans, Ed Valentine and Patricia Traina back here on Locked On Giants, rolling through your questions on this Twitter Tuesday, which is one of our favorite days and favorite shows. Patty, we've had a lot of good questions so far. And the next one, I think, might be the the money question and and the one that's the one that... uh, I'm not sure I want to answer, uh, and, and I'm interested to see how you answer it. The realest NYG fan 63 wants to know how do you really feel about Eli Manning, and where do you think the Giants should go in 2019? Oh, my goodness.
0: <laughs> gone, <Patty. laughs> Thanks, Ed. Boy, you're a real pal, huh? <laughs> oh. Okay. Oh, goodness. All right. Look, I don't think it's any secret that I have been an Eli Manning defender. All right. I have watched this guy since he was a rookie. I have watched the last few years how his you know, prime years have been wasted by poor drafts by questionable free agent signings and by you know questionable fits run by head coaches and offensive coordinators, not named Tom Coughlin and Kevin Gilbride. Now with all that said, do I think Eli is blameless in this equation? Absolutely not. There are things that he needs to do better and he will be the first to admit that there are things he needs to do better. All right. So, now, do I think the Giants will stick with him moving forward? Um, I really that that's hard to say. I I think, you know, right now it's it's kind of premature. I think they would like to stick with him. I think from a cap standpoint it makes sense to stick with him because, you know, look, if if you you cut him, you're going to have you know, the, pretty much you're, you're going to get off to the same start you did this year as far as dead money. And, you know, you might as well keep a guy on, on your roster if he is still able at, to perform at a fairly decent level, which I think Eli Manning is. But do I think the Giants should maybe look to the future? Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't know if Kyle Laletta is that future, but I think at some point this year – Regardless of how the season works, I would find out what I have in Kyle Kyle Lalletta and and go from there because you cannot just continue onward and thinking that Eli Manning is going to play forever because he's not. He's you know his skills are slipping. You can see it, but I still think he's he's a functional quarterback, and I think they can still win with him. Um, but they just need to support him with a solid uh, supporting cast, which I don't think they fully have yet. They're they're getting there, but not 100 percent yet.
1: Patty, I think the one thing you said that that is really key to all of this is that I really think that the Giants would like if circumstances and the way he plays and the way that the remaining 11 games work out this season – I think they would really like to get this year and next year out of Eli Manning. The question is, you know, can they or will they be able to do that? And to be honest, I don't think they know. I don't think we know. I think we need to see the remaining 11 games to find out. We've seen, you know, we saw him play a terrific game against the Houston Texans. We saw him play really, really well. You know, this past Sunday, we saw him make, you know, some old time Eli Manning downfield throws and, and lead, you know, at what you almost would call like an old time Eli comeback in the fourth quarter. So there are moments, there are times when it's still there. You know, the the question is, can it be there often enough? Can this Giants team win enough games? Can they be functional enough on offense to To go through this year and next year with Eli Manning. You know, the the thing about it is too, you know, as far as 2019, let's say that the Giants plan to go with Eli next year. As much as you want to plan for the future, and, and you know, and I don't know who all of the quarterbacks are and who all of the players are in the in the upcoming draft class, but you're in that situation again. Do you draft a quarterback who sits behind Eli? To be honest with you, you know, my, my answer to that without absolutely studying all of the players, my answer to that is no, for the simple reason of what we're seeing this year with Sam Darnold and Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen. These guys are coming to the NFL ready to play. So you don't need to draft a guy and say, well, he needs to sit for a year. If you're going to start Eli Manning, you continue to supplement the roster, and then you draft a quarterback down the road when you need one to play.
0: I agree. I mean, look. By the time Eli has said before that he feels he could play into his 40s and beyond, all right, you just can't leave that that in his hands. At some point, at some point, you have to say, you know what. Eli, thank you so much for your service. You know, we we can't just keep bringing in these young guys and then losing them to free agency or because they don't work out or because someone better comes along. We've got to start establishing a direction for the future. And I tell people all the time, it's going to be a very, very sad day when Eli Manning moves on. Given all he has brought to this th- this organization, you know, people who are screaming and saying that he's a bum and he should get cut yesterday, you're going to miss him. Just like, you know, those same people probably screamed for Phil Simms to be cut and, you know, had to suffer through the likes of Dave Brown, Danny Connell, you know, Kent Graham and all the other quarterbacks they brought in in between Kerry Collins and then Eli Manning. So, you know… I I did. I'm sorry.
1: You just you just had to do that to us, didn't you? Uh, I I had to. That's <laughs> All right. So on, onward and upward, I guess, Patty. And our next question from Randolpho actually dovetails with the Eli Manning discussion and touches on something that that we already, you know, sort of broached a little bit. Randolpho wants to know if the Giants fall to one and six or one and seven. Do you think we'll see Kyle Lalletta?
0: Um, I think as long as the Giants are mathematically alive for a playoff spot, the answer to that is probably not. What we might see, however, is if the Giants get blown out, you know, or if the game is officially out of reach, we might see Lalletta come in for fourth quarter duty, uh, mop up duty, if you will. And hopefully those snaps will be meaningful. But I just don't think we'll see him starting any games, you know, not at least until the Giants are
1: out of it. I think this, Patty, I think that the Giants are not going to make with, you know, with this new regime, with Pat Shermer, with Dave Gettleman, they are not going to make the Davis Webb mistake again. And I'm not saying that Davis Webb was a mistake what I'm saying is if and when the time comes that you're down to the last two or three games of the season, that you're down to whatever the last quarter of the season, if the season has gotten away from the Giants and they are not in contention for a playoff spot, I can't imagine that the Giants would not find a way to, whether it's starting games whether it's bringing him in with whatever it is i can't imagine that Kyle Loletta would not find his way onto the field you know for some action at some point this season i think that that would be a disservice to the you know it'd be a disservice to the franchise not to get him some experience not to begin to find out I know the Giants are high on him, but not to begin to find out if he could be, you know, the guy to replace Manning down the road. And we don't know. The Giants don't know. But I, I just can't imagine that they would make that mistake again.
0: No, and they and if they do, then I'm sorry, they should be sued for malpractice because you can't make that mistake. You know, you're talking the quarterback, a guy that ideally you want to have under center for 10 12 15 years so you better get that right because if you don't guess what you're going to be a mediocre
1: team for years to come yes you are patty you know and i mean dave gettleman always talks about uh talks about quarterback hell and the giants obviously don't want to be there
0: No, nobody does. And, and, you know, that's something that they have to be very careful about, because if they make the wrong decision, that's exactly where they're going to land up.
1: Patty, let's take one more quick break for another word from our sponsors. We will come back. We will answer a couple more Twitter Tuesday questions and then we'll wrap it up and call it a show for today. Okay, Giants fans, Ed Valentine and Patricia Trana here on Locked On Giants. And we are answering your Twitter Tuesday questions. And as always, you know, we thank you for sending those in. You can send them to Patty on Twitter, at Patricia underscore Trena. Patty uses the, the hashtag, at P-Train or Ask P-Train. It's, uh, is it Ask P-Train, Patty?
0: Yes, P, capital P, capital T.
1: You can always send them to uh, Locked On Giants Podcast at Gmail, and you know we always appreciate uh, the questions. We appreciate you guys listening. Let's get to uh, to our last couple of questions, and, and and this is kind of an interesting one. And I'm not exactly sure, you know, what the purpose of of I'm not exactly sure what what's being asked here. But Michael Aspracolis asks. If you could go back and, quote, unquote, unbust a recent draft pick to help this roster, who would it be?
0: Okay, I get the question that he's asking. I think he wants to know if we could go back and have a a guy who was a bust become a stud, who would we pick? And, uh, gosh, you could take your pick. I mean, there's so many of them. I mean, obviously, you would want Eric Flowers, you know, because he was so young. To be your your left tackle for years, you know if you could if you could go back and you know wave a magic wand and convert him into into a player, um, you know Marvin Austin, Demontre Moore come to mind. Um, some of the linebackers, let's see, Clint Sintem, who was wasn't a, a good fit, you know for for what they were trying to run at the time. I think that he was from a three four system, and you know they tried to jam him into a four three with no luck. Um, Ruben. Well, no, Ruben Randall was, wasn't exactly a bust. I wouldn't call him a bust. Um, you know, you'd like to see David Wilson, who you know unfortunately had his career sh- cut short because of you know an injury. You'd like to see him maybe last. I mean, there are so many guys. I don't I don't know that you can pick one. I know I can't pick one, but you know if you're talking recent, you you obviously would probably go to Eric Flowers because you know given how young he is and you know the size and the tools that he has just. You know, he's never been able to put it together. And I think had he been able to, they would have been set at left tackle for easily a decade.
1: Oh, I can pick one, Patty, and it's definitely Flowers. I mean, you you named a lot of guys who didn't cut it, but the only one out of that group who was taken ninth overall in the draft was Eric Flowers. You know, and and we, we said it at the top of the show, when you miss on a guy in the top 10 of the draft You know, those are cornerstone players. Those are guys you're counting on. You don't want to be drafting in the top 10. And and when you miss on guys in the top 10, guess what? You're going to wind up drafting in the top 10 again. And that's what's happened to the Giants. You miss on top 10 picks. You know, you miss on an offensive tackle. And now you spend years chasing, trying to find offensive tackles. You miss on a guy in the top ten and, and you don't and you wind up not being successful. All of those guys that you named, you know, were were misses in the draft. But the one that the the one that hurts right now, that hurts this two thousand and eighteen team, you know, and has really hurt for the last couple of years, has to be flowers.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, you know, you make a good point that the higher the draft pick, the the, the more it stings. So I I agree with that. But, you know, it's just that there's been so many misses, you know, especially at the top of the draft in the first, second, you know, and and third round. I mean, you you could take your pick, you know, literally take your pick. And and, and I don't think there's a wrong answer. But, yeah, I, I guess when you're talking a top 10 draft pick, um, That one really, really hurts.
1: Well, the cumulative effect is obvious, Patty. But uh, you know, but that's why Jerry Reese is no longer the GM.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I never want to say somebody should be fired, but I, I just think the Giants made that move easily a couple of years too late. I would have made that move probably, you know, when I was when, when they decided to, to move on from Tom Coughlin. I mean. I still, to this day, and I probably will never understand how you you get rid of the head coach who, who tried to make, you know, chicken salad out of you-know-what, but not the GM who provided the, the faulty ingredients. I, I just don't get it.
1: Neither do I, Patty. Let's, uh, let's take a couple more questions here. Ruben Martinez wants to know, is the problem with the running game, the offensive line, defenses, you know, loading the box or both. And I know you've been actually breaking this down for a film study that you're working on. So I'm going to mostly defer to you on this one.
0: Well, first off, it's never really one problem. It's a combination. But with that said, what I have seen so far and, you know, I'm just going off of what I see. I don't know what the line calls are, the assignments, But the Giants have struggled to move stuff up the middle, which is kind of, you know, weird considering that that was always a strength for them. And I just don't know if it's a matter of, you know, is new center John Greco working well with Pat Omame or, you know, Pat Omame, by the way, I I thought, you know, in terms of run blocking – I hate to make this comparison but gosh did he remind me of John Jerry with when it came to the run blocking and that's not a compliment folks <laughs> I'm sorry um there was no push and just I, it, it was all over the place so I just think there's something that's not quite clicking there between Greco and Omame and you know I again I don't know the calls I don't know the assignments so I can't definitively say it's on Omame or it's on on Greco or it's a shared blame but th- that's where I see the problem where where a lot of you know defenses and and again the Giants have played some really good defenses let's give credit where credit's due but you know there's got to be some kind of push or at least create a stalemate and let Barkley who's perfectly capable of making something out of nothing give him that opportunity and it just hasn't been there.
1: No, it hasn't, Patty. You know, the one thing that I will say about the running game is that despite the fact that, by and large, it did not work on Sunday, despite the fact that I think I I charted, I think, six negative runs on Saturday, um, the Giants continued to give the ball to Saquon Barkley, which I think is, is critical simply because of how good and how explosive he is. I mean, even with all of the the issues and the struggles that the Giants had, he did manage to create two big plays in the running game. And it's just it's important that the Giants get those plays. It's important that they continue to give him the ball. You know, you you would like to see some sort of a hole up the middle once in a while. You would like to see Barkley not have to do everything on his own, uh, you know. But I will also say this about the offensive line: over the course of the first five weeks, we have seen the pass blocking, you know, get incrementally better week to week. You know, I think we saw. You know, really good protection for Eli Manning this past Sunday and pretty good protection the week before. Hopefully we can see the same sort of arc in in the run blocking, the same sort of of, you know gradual improvement. Because they have a terrific running back and and it would be a shame if they don't if if they don't open some holes for him and, and, and give him a chance to do, you know, what I call Saquon Barkley things.
0: Absolutely. But you know what? It's going to take time. That offensive line is still a work in progress. It is in no way, shape or form finished. I think, you know, the personnel is what it is what it is for this year. But I would be absolutely stunned if Gettleman doesn't add a couple more pieces to that line next
1: year. Absolutely, Patty. Let's take one final question for today. And it's uh, we, we couldn't get through the show without an Odell Beckham question. Oh, boy. Here we go. C. M. Amrinder wants to know, in our opinion, how did other players react or respond to Odell Beckham's interview? Do you see a divide or a crack developing between the players like it did when Ben McAdoo was coaching?
0: No, 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 no. Okay, totally different set of circumstances. I think with Ben McAdoo, when he was coaching – The reason why we saw a crack in the locker room is because McAdoo would say one thing and do something else. He would never take the blame for what went wrong, but always was there to take the credit when things went right. And he didn't change until it was too late. So players, I think, gradually lost their confidence in him and their trust in him. So totally different situation. Now, as far as, you know, did Beckham's comments – divide the locker room no no I, if anything you got to remember something you have a lot more guys who are you know in their 30s or who have played a while they've seen it all they've they, they've heard it all you know this stuff doesn't bother them you know it, it, it's a case of you know if, if it's bothering you then that means that you're probably guilty of not coming with heart not playing you know your heart out um but so i i just don't think that you know People talk about Odell and wanting him to be a leader. And here he is, he's trying to be a leader. Now, to be clear, I do not agree with how he went about this. I don't understand why he had to have Little Wayne sitting next to him for moral support. I I, I just found that really hokey, if I'm being honest. Um, But I think Odell was sincere with what he said. I think he was spot on because there were times I, and I can remember getting questions from from listeners saying, you know, gee, I remember looking at the offense, you know, or, or, or the team sitting on the bench and they look lifeless. And I think Odell lit a fire under their butts. I really do. And not just the players, but also the coaches. But, you know, as far as, you know, them them starting to divide to where they're going to, you know. I don't know, dunk them in the cold tub or something like that. I I don't see that happening. I don't think we're going to have the dysfunction that we had last year in the locker room where, you know, coaches let things slide. I, I think Pat Shermer and his staff treat, believe it or not, they do treat everybody equally. Everybody got a clean slate. Everybody, It was up to everybody to decide what to do with their clean slate. And those that chose to use it wisely are still here and are contributing. And those who chose not to use it wisely are no longer on the roster. And so, so no, I, I don't think it's what Odell said was a problem. I just had a problem with the, the setting and the whole setup and how it was delivered.
1: I would agree with that, Patty, in terms of what Beckham said. I mean, I thought that... You know, and I don't want to relitigate the whole thing, but but I thought a lot of what Odell said was was absolutely spot on. I thought a couple of things that he said were probably better left unsaid, but you know, our our, our questioner wants to know about the the opinion in the locker room, and I'm 100% in agreement with you. These are not Ben McAdoo's Giants anymore. There is no divide between the head coach and the locker room. Ben McAdoo did not know how to build relationships with players. I don't know if he didn't know how or didn't care to. You know, he Ben McAdoo didn't have good relationships with those players. Pat Shermer does. Pat Shermer is in the locker room a lot. Pat Shermer has spent a lot of time with these guys building relationships creating a culture in that locker room. The Giants are 1-4, and, 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 you know, this whole thing this week the last couple of days has, has, you know, been a distraction. It's caused some controversy. But there isn't going to be, you know, I, I just feel much better about where the Giants are with Pat Shermer, you know, at the top. I mean, I go back to what Dave Gettleman and, and, and John Maris said when they hired Shermer. You know, they hired him largely because he's an adult, largely because he's been through these things before. Uh, You know, and I just have much more confidence in his leadership, in the players' trust in him, uh, you know, to to hold this thing together and to continue to play hard, you know, than I do in in whatever situation the Giants were in last year. And you're also right about Beckham's comments. Quite honestly... I don't think the. I, I doubt that the players care very much. You know, as far as you know, some of the things that he said. You know, maybe you know, maybe it annoyed them a little bit, but they're not going to turn on Odell Beckham. They're not going to be. You know, they're not going to ostracize him in any way. Um, it 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 became a media firestorm. It became a Twitter firestorm. You know, all of those things. But I think probably it had less impact and less importance in the locker room than it did anywhere else.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's I'd like to think it's going to blow over. But, you know, yeah, I, I guess it was kind of surprising that he was as candid as he was, you know, especially when he was asked, you know, if they if I don't remember the exact question. But, you know, when he was asked about Eli, you know, is, is that a problem? And he was like, uh you know instead of come right coming right out and 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 you know saying no it's not you know the thing about odell and i think the thing that people love about him is he's he's real he's genuine there's no filter with him what you see is what you get and what you get is a guy who plays with his heart and his emotions on his sleeve and sometimes that leads to him doing things like a knucklehead you know he acts like a knucklehead let's let's be real and call it what it is But that's also what drives him. And it's just up to Pat Shermer to continue to build that and bring that out of him and make sure that that's channeled in a constructive manner as opposed to a destructive manner.
1: Agreed, Patty. And I think that, you know, I said it yesterday and I've said it in in other platforms. I think this is why Pat Shermer was seemed so wounded, you know, by some of this because he's worked so hard. To build that relationship with Odell, and I actually I think the two of them will continue to do that. I just have so much more confidence, you know, despite the one in four record. I've so much more confidence in this regime, in this leadership, you know, than I do in you know in what we saw the the past couple of years. Whether it's this year, whether it's next year, I you know. I have more faith in this group to hold it together and to eventually get it right.
0: I do, too. And and you know what? Look, things are going to pop up in a workplace. Not everybody's going to get along with everybody every day. I mean... You know, people are going to are gonna say things that get taken the wrong way and, and you know, are going to necessitate an explanation or a conversation. But that doesn't mean that the locker room is splintering. So, you know, getting back to the question, I, I just don't think the players had as big an issue with it as maybe, you know, was perceived on the outside.
1: All right, Patty, with that said, let's uh, let's call it a show for today. Uh, we thank you, Giants fans, as always, for listening, for sending us your questions. Please, you know, check Patty's work at Patricia underscore Trina on Twitter. You know, follow my work at Big Blue View. And uh, we will talk to you soon as we uh, help you guys get ready, you know, for Thursday night's Eagles game. Bye-bye now.